Uh, now, if you could take God's word to 2 Timothy chapter 1 with the few moments we have left tonight. <clears throat> Since we've started the Faithful Men Foundry and uh, a lot of the content uh, for that has come from 2 Timothy, uh, I sense that the Lord may be leading uh, me to go through a series uh, through this epistle. And uh, as I was praying about that and praying about what to preach tonight for the Intercessors War Room, I was amazed uh, that these first few verses in 2 Timothy are perfect uh, for an Intercessors War Room uh, because they reveal to us the heart of an intercessor. And so that is the title for tonight's message, The Heart of an Intercessor. God has given us examples in Scripture for us to follow, examples that point us to the greatest example, the Lord Jesus, and the Apostle Paul is one such example, and we're going to seek to learn from him tonight. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, we will read verses 1 through 6 responsively. I'll begin in verse 1 if you read verse 2 all the way through verse 6. The Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers, with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Heavenly Father, we ask once again that you would bless the preaching of your word. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit to preach and fill your people with your spirit uh, to listen. And we pray that you would form in us this same heart of an intercessor, that you would make us like our Lord. Please uh, speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What can we learn from this passage about the heart of an intercessor? Well, if you're taking notes... The uh, first heading we, we see here in this passage is we see how Paul viewed himself. How Paul viewed himself. He, he was uh, uh, an excellent intercessor. He devoted his life to this ministry. Uh, and, and as we're looking at his heart, we see from this passage how he viewed himself. First, we see how he viewed himself, his designation from Christ. Number one, his designation from Christ. You see in verse 1, the Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. This was his designation. A, a designation, it, uh, multiple definition, it can be an appointment to or a selection for an office, post, or service. And, and the Apostle Paul was appointed to the office, to the work, to the post of an apostle. But it can also mean a distinguishing name, sign, or title. And here he refers to himself as Paul, an apostle. 
This is the standard way that he introduces himself in his epistles. Uh, and every time he does so, he's reminding his readers that I am today someone far different than I used to be. And the Apostle Paul, we know he used to be called Saul. That was his Jewish name. That was uh, who he was when in Philippians 3.5, he writes that he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee. That's when he was big in his own eyes. But then at some point he became Paul. And Paul means little one. And it was his Roman name. So at some point there was this great change. And he went from being a, a Pharisee who persecuted Christ to now an apostle of Jesus Christ. Apostle, it means a sent one, a messenger or an ambassador. So he goes from persecuting Christ to representing him and speaking on his behalf. And, and what I want you to see this evening from, from Paul's designation that he was given by Christ, that there was a day when everything changed for the apostle Paul. There was a day when everything changed. We don't have time to look at it this evening, but if you, if you look in Acts chapter 26, this is the second of two occasions in Acts where the Apostle Paul gives his salvation testimony. And Paul loved recounting uh, the day when Christ interrupted his life, when Christ came out of nowhere and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He loved referring back to the day when everything changed, when Christ turned him from darkness to light, and when he became an apostle. And if you think about that day, the light shines from heaven. Paul's blinded. Uh, he, he, he literally saw the risen Christ. And you might be thinking to yourself, my salvation testimony isn't that glamorous. Uh, my salvation testimony isn't that dramatic. And maybe it wasn't. And maybe you didn't get to see with your physical eyes the Lord Jesus, the day you got saved, and maybe the events weren't as dramatic as that. But you have got to understand tonight, Christian, that what happened to the Apostle Paul that day is the same exact thing that happened to you and I when we received Jesus Christ as our Savior. It's no different or it's no less. 1 Peter 1 verse 8, if you think about the day you got saved, no, there wasn't a light that shone from heaven, and, and you didn't go blind. Thank, thank the Lord, right? But just like the Apostle Paul, the day you got saved, the Lord Jesus Christ interrupted you where you were. He came to you in, in your place of need, in your sin, and he rescued you from your life of sin, and he called you into his service. That's what he did to each one of us the day we got saved. And even if we don't think it was that spectacular, the fact that Christ came into our lives and saved us and called us into his service is something to be excited about. The Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 1.8, he says, whom having not seen, no, we didn't get to see him with our physical eyes, but he says, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You don't have to have a dramatic experience like the Apostle Paul to have a relationship with Christ that can be described as one with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And you know the way to have that kind of relationship with him? Believing him. Believing what it says in this book about who he is and who he's made you to be. 
1 Peter 2, verse 9. This is what happened to us. It, it wasn't as dramatic as Paul, but it's the exact same thing. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen generation. We think about Paul. Wow. God chose him for such a special task. He got to be a missionary throughout all the world. And all I do is I, I, I do some trivial tasks at church. I mean, that's nothing compared to the Apostle Paul. Christian, this is who you are. This is what happened the day you got saved. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And it all happened that day you got saved. Well, I wouldn't want to take for granted, even in a Sunday night crowd, this is the, the faithful few. We wouldn't want to take for granted and just assume that everyone here has a day when they were truly saved. And I would encourage you to examine your life. Is there a day for you when you were truly born again and everything changed? The moment I got saved at 10 years old, things changed. I knew God as my father and I had never known him like that before. I wanted to pray, and I never had wanted to pray before. How do you explain that? The Holy Spirit of God came inside and changed things on that very day. And if you cannot point to a particular day when things changed, then, then, then you need to examine your life, and you need to get that settled. So for the Apostle Paul, this designation he was given by Christ to become an apostle, a representative of him, happened on a particular day, but I also want you to see that the direction of his life completely changed. He made a total 180. He was going this direction, persecuting God. He repented and he started going that way. Philippians 3 uh, is a powerful passage where he talks about this change from trusting in the flesh and trusting in his good works and in who he was as a Pharisee to counting all of that as loss and dung and only wanting one thing to know Christ. He went from persecuting Christ to wanting more than anything to know him. And Christian, I want to ask you this evening, the Apostle Paul, his identity, everything about his life was wrapped up in the Lord Jesus. That's why he could say things like Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is game. And he could say in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And then he said in Colossians 3, 4, Christ who is our life. I want to ask you this evening, can you point to a day when everything changed? And number two, is, is there evidence in your life? When you look at the direction of your life, does it show that you're obsessed with the Lord Jesus Christ? that he has changed everything and you've gladly let him. For Paul, when he introduces himself as Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, is not just a formality for him. What he is saying to us is, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am not doing what I want anymore. I am living at the beck and call of my new master. I'm no longer Saul, the the, the pompous Pharisee, I'm Paul, a little one. I have decreased and Christ is increasing. I am his sent one. The only purpose I have for living 
is to be sent by the Lord Jesus to do his bidding. He is my master, and every day I get to represent him. And Christian, I wonder if when you think about your life and what you find your identity in, is your identity wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you looking for your identity somewhere else? Are you looking for your significance in your job? For the Apostle Paul, this designation from Christ that he saved him, made him a new creature, and made him an apostle, this is how he viewed himself. This is who I am. But also, as we're looking at how this heart of the intercessor, how, Christ, uh, how Paul viewed himself, we see number two in this passage, not only the designation of Christ upon him, but the design of his father, the design of his heavenly father. Verse one, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. You know what Paul is saying there? I am who I am today by the will of God. Because God has desired me to be an apostle. And that's what he planned for me from before the foundation of the world. That's who I am. And I love it. He's saying, I'm not rebelling against God's perfect plan for me. I'm in the center of his will. And I might be in a prison cell. I might be in a dungeon. And all they in Asia might have forsaken me. But I am in the center of God's will. And I wonder if we as believers tonight, are we content to live in obedience to the will of our Father? Think about it, Christian. The Apostle Paul is saying, I am who I am by the will of God. I, I'm living according to his plan for me because he's the one in Isaiah 46.10 who declares for the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He's got it all planned out and it's a perfect plan and I just want to be along for the ride. Why would we, we rebel against the will of someone like that? Paul is saying, I, I'm living in obedience to the will of the one who, whose thoughts toward me are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give me an expected end. I'm living in obedience to the will of him who works all things together for my good. I, I am living in the center of the will of him who in Romans 8.32 spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him freely give us all things? He loves me so much he was willing to give me his son. And he wants to give me everything else he has. Why wouldn't I live in the center of his will? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. I'm not an apostle because I chose that. I'm not a missionary who's won many people to Christ because I did anything special. It's by the will and the grace of God that I am what I am. This is how Paul viewed himself. And then finally here in, in this first verse, we see that he viewed himself in, in line of this destiny he had in the Spirit. So there's the designation from Christ. He's an apostle of Christ. There's the design of his father, his, his father's perfect will. And then there's his destiny in the Spirit. Notice he says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. If you read Acts 26, when Paul is giving uh, his defense, 
uh, he's explaining that he's being judged for just believing what God promised in the Old Testament. And he's referring to how in the Old Testament, God promised that the Messiah would come, that, that he would usher in his kingdom. He's referring to the promises in the Old Testament, like in Joel 2, 28, that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. And he's saying, I am an apostle by the will of God, according to God's promise of life. If you think back to the Garden of Eden, God, God gave Adam and Eve the tree of life so they could live forever. But once they sinned, they no longer had access to the tree of life. But God's goal has always been to give us back that eternal life that we forfeited. His goal has always been for us to live with Him forever and to enjoy His life. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, this is who I am. And I might be in a prison cell and my life at this point might look like a failure. I mean, I'm about to be executed, but I'm an apostle of Christ. I'm his representative and he's going to reward me. I am living under the will of the author of the universe. And he has promised me eternal life, which I am enjoying the foretaste of right now by his spirit dwelling in me. And it's all packed in right there as he's introducing himself in this first verse. And there's so much more we were going to look at this evening, but we'll have to save it for another time. But as we're looking at the heart of this intercessor, if we could just close with this thought, Christian, you will not become a a mighty intercessor or or become a, a, a very fruitful Christian by reading a bunch of books on prayer or by making a New Year's resolution, I'm going to become an intercessor, or by forcing yourself to work through a prayer journal, that's not how you're going to get the heart of an intercessor. The way you and I are going to get the heart of an intercessor is by coming face to face with who God is and who he has made us and what he has done for us. And when we become overwhelmed and when we are our very identity is is totally wrapped up in who Christ is and who we are in him, you won't be able to help praying. Because you'll find that in intercession, that is the way that you can be closest to the Lord Jesus. That is the way that you can spread his love to the most amount of people. That is how you can can be a, a good ambassador of the Lord Jesus. And when you and I begin looking at ourselves accurately and biblically, the way the Apostle Paul did, and when our salvation goes from some humdrum thing that we talk about when we're asked for testimonies, when it goes from that to being something that is our very identity, when that day when everything changed, when it means something to us again, when the direction of our life is following Christ and just wanting to know him, that's when he'll develop the heart of an intercessor in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul, but more than this, we thank you that you reached into our lives as unworthy, sinful creatures who had only rebelled against you, who had only uh, lived for ourselves. You reached into our lives and you saved us. And you called us into this work of, of being your ambassadors, of being intercessors. And Lord, you've got it all planned out and it's a perfect plan and we just get to go along for the ride. And we thank you, Father, that Today, now, you give us a foretaste 
of what it'll be like for all of eternity with you in heaven. And we have your Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And Father, I just pray that you would really impress upon our hearts how privileged we are and that, that out of our identity in Christ and who we know that we are in him, I pray that, we would, that, that you would develop in us this heart of an intercessor. Lord, please uh, move in this invitation as only you can, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano plays, if Christ has spoken to you, you take some time to respond.